I definitely think that we should be members where we can go, even if it's a temporary kind of relationship. Uh, and the reason why I think is I think Christians without a membership somewhere, I think are Christians that lack some sense of assurance. Here we go. Press them on your children. Press them on your children. Press them on your children. Hello, welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm uh, doing pretty well. Uh, we had a little bit cooler morning today, you know, and we don't have the three feet of, of pollen piling up, uh, but I'm sure it's still out there. But how about you? I'm doing snow? well. It's, it's still cold, so, you know, spring is definitely not an early March thing in Maine. I, I think this podcast will go up in early April, and it will probably still not, it will still barely be spring. But <laughs> you'll be gearing up for uh, the, a big golf tournament in your area soon, right? Yes, the Masters is approaching. Now, I assume that you're a member of the uh, that Augusta National, is that what it's called? Yes, uh, that is the, what it's called, though I am not a member. I am just keep waiting for that invitation. Um, but yeah, And I live very close to the course, so I, I don't know what the holdup is. Now, uh, is it, it's pretty easy to become a member there, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you just... Just like put in a thing and say, hey, you know, I've got a hundred million dollars. I'm ready to join. <laughs> exactly. So, well, uh, you know, I, I do have to ask in comparison. Do you think it's easier to join Augusta National or join a church? Uh, I'm going to guess join a church. Um, I, I hadn't gone through the process, but uh, my sister actually knows somebody who's a member there, so I could ask her, but. Good to know. So, well, we're going to be talking about membership today, not membership at Augusta National, unfortunately, for those who are big in golfing. But we're going to talk about church membership today, uh, which is something I think is an important topic that we haven't spent a ton of time talking about before. Yeah, looking forward to it. Now, I want to ask you, Ben, um, that I know that you're a church member now, but how old were you when you uh, first when you were first were a church member? That is a good question. I don't actually know uh, the church where, as best I can tell, that's when I became a Christian. Uh, I don't know their polity or what it was at the time. I suspect, though, that I was made a member when I was baptized. I don't know if I what privileges, if I had the full privileges and responsibilities of a member, but uh, I was seven years old. Now, that, that they could have had some other things in place. Um, otherwise, I was probably a teenager or something like that. But okay, so yeah, I was when I was an infant. I'm kidding. So, but <laughs> <laughs> there are some traditions that basically do that. So, uh, you know, yeah. I I don't know for sure on this either. You know, this is a hard answer question to answer for me. But it was really for me either 17 or 19. So, you know, I became a Christian in my teen years. And I was baptized at 17 years old, and 
I don't know for sure if that me- membership, I don't think so, but I do know that when I was 19 years old, I started pursuing, 19 or 20, I pursued membership at a church in Georgia where we went to college, so. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, so eventually that, so, you know, uh so really, child men. We're going to talk some about membership for children today, uh, but it was somewhat of a moot point for me. But my wife actually was fascinating, as though uh, as my wife had a background in church, but because of some you know different approaches to membership, I actually believe my wife uh, became a member of a church for the first time after me. Though I could be wrong about that, uh, because again, there's a lot of different opinions even among denominations. Uh-huh. Now, does church membership have anything at all to do with family ministry, or is this kind of a the big kids table issue? Well, it starts getting into issues of, of which families are we most pouring into and most responsible for, um, what what ministry are we equipping people for, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't think it's it's front and center like fathering and mothering, uh, but it's not unrelated. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think membership really is one of the most important relationships in life. You know, the mem- the relationship we have with fellow members of our church. So inherently has to, I mean, like you note. Uh, and I think this really, it impacts what how we pray, what we attend, uh, namely whether we attend membership me- members meetings, for example, and who we spend time with, as you noted. So uh, I also think this is a matter of Christian assurance in a way. Uh, and so that's always an important issue even for you know even for children that are christians uh, questions of assurance are i think relevant questions and navigate and perhaps some of our listeners will come to different opinions though on this topic now what exactly does it mean to be a church member uh and why don't all churches have membership well you know, the term church membership does not appear in the new testament I think the idea that it does say we're members of the uh, members of a body, but that's more like a part. I think, um, but I think the the concept is certainly there, and the picture we get in the New Testament is this: a commitment to a specific group of Christians, and not just any group of Christians, you know, that meet at a, a park or a coffee shop or something like that, but uh, a, a specific group of Christians who are preaching the gospel using the spiritual gifts, practicing baptism and the Lord's Supper. Some would add church discipline to that, which church discipline is, is sort of the, the back door uh, yeah. in some ways of the church. Um, some people can leave through other means, you know, but uh, that don't deal with deal, don't have to do with dealing with sin. But uh, that that's kind of a, a brief picture of it, but uh, it has to do with responsibility and privileges and blessings that come with it. There's obligations. Um, and all churches don't have, I mean, I, I guess just in, in broad strokes, uh, churches have tried to get people to feel welcome and not to ask too much of them. They sort of, we want you to belong before you believe or, uh, those kinds of things to, to feel accepted. I think in some cases it's not reading the Bible very carefully, or it's just thinking that the Bible doesn't really address it. Um, and we just kind of need to teach big spiritual truths and, uh, don't worry about that. Or since the New Testament doesn't say church membership or something like that, then we were free to not worry with it. Uh, but wh- I mean, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think my simple definition of it is that church member 
A church member is someone who has formally been affirmed by a local church and has then in response themselves covenanted with that church. So I kind of see it as almost like a promise between uh, between two, you know, this kind of uh, formali- formalization of what was once informal in a relationship. Uh, you know, I, I think membership can in ways mean different things in different places. So, you know, there are churches, for example, like Baptist churches or congregational churches where membership means that you'll get to vote on the budget, you get to vote on who becomes an elder, for example. And then there are churches like a Presbyterian church that practices membership as this kind of oversight, but it doesn't always give as much of that kind of invested authority into the body. But I think either way, it's kind of about, we'll get to the priesthood of all believers, but that's a relevant aspect of it. Uh, but, you know, in terms of churches that don't, and more and more churches don't. I mean, there's things I've read that show that in a lot of ways, even among sometimes Baptist churches, really formal focus on membership seems to be going away in many circles. And, and you know, I can be cynical uh, that, uh, and but I think, that churches don't have this either because they haven't been taught those scriptural passages. And, but I think sometimes uh, this, they don't have this because uh, they view, some church leadership can view Christians voting as kind of an obstacle to the important people up front, getting the progress they need. So I think a great example of that was shown or a terrible one. Uh, there was a pastor in Illinois named James McDonald, and James McDonald had kind of he bashed the idea of members getting to vote on matters, uh, as he said it was from Satan. And it turned out, you know, James McDonald was using his kind of upfront front the authority that he was given by the fact that people couldn't vote on the budget. He was using that to misappropriate funds, and he was using that to unfortunately abuse people. So I think sometimes. I I feel like you've even encountered cases where sometimes a church leaders want to convince people that membership is not in their best interest because ultimately that that gives more power to the man, man that's in the pulpit, for example. Yeah, I heard James McDonald talking one time criticizing membership and, and members having more of a voice saying that, you know, it's sort of like in a family where the parents make the decisions, they don't mm-hmm. give those to the kids. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> That's not a godly imagery <laughs> for the church. No, no. At least as he was, I mean, Paul talks about being Timothy's father in the faith, and you can use some of those parallels, but it's not just, you know, you do what I said or I'll spank you. Yeah. So Now, is church membership a biblical or theological matter, Ben? Well, for sure. Um, I, I got this from... Mark Dever, uh, but this idea of a relationship triangle. Now, not like a Jerry Springer kind of thing, but the <laughs> <laughs> a relationship triangle uh, where you take an individual Christian, uh, you take a group of Christians, and then uh, pastors, elder, overseer, uh, bishops, whatever word you'd like to use there. Uh, and you look in the New Testament at the places where it talks about the relational obligations that, that one of those has towards the other one. And I've done that. I like wrote it out on a piece of paper. And as you do that, you start to see there are a ton of New Testament teachings regarding how one is supposed to interact with one or more of those other groups. And you start drawing arrows back and forth a lot. And so uh, I don't quote me on this. I tried to do a search one time, um, but I think there's at least 40-something one another commands in the New Testament. And – um, you know, 
who with whom are you supposed to do those uh you know elders supposed to keeping watch over well which flock uh which particular yeah. sheep which sheep uh are which which elders are the the sheep supposed to submit to uh and listen to their teaching you know there's just you could keep on going there but uh, i think it's deeply just embedded in and it we don't have a book where it's you know like your, your title in this Bobby's little Bobby's rules of order. We don't have a new Testament book like that. I think it's just sort of, uh, assumed in, in many places in the new Testament letters. And you see some in acts now. I mean, there's some debate about exactly what the new Testament polity was and, uh, that kind of thing. But I think most agree that there's, there is a lot there if you read and think about it and stop for a moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what else would you say to that? Good answer. So, yeah, I think there are several scriptures that really do line up membership. I've heard so many Christians say that church membership is not a biblical thing, even those that affirm that church membership is a good thing. But I, I have a hard time arguing that from studying the New Testament. I think clearly there was a sense of, even if they didn't use the term, a formalized uh, the group of people that made up a, local, a specific local church that that was affirmed by the leaders, that was affirmed by one another. I, I actually think probably the most powerful passage that shows this is going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, 5, as well as then we see kind of in 2 Corinthians, when it, it navigates an issue of that church discipline, and uh, and it kind of calls upon people to discipline one, one another. And later, in describing what seems to be the same church discipline case, Paul says that the decision by the majority is not is sufficient. Uh, and so, I mean, I think clearly he's suggesting that in this matter of which to me is like one of the most important roles of the church is binding and loosing, you know, that we're adding into membership, affirming and then taking away. In one of those key roles, the decision was actually made by a church vote. Uh, and I think we see this even especially in Matthew 18, Jesus establishes. Actually, I, I think we often gloss over the Matthew 18 passages as kind of a private thing, you know, or we make it, we're two or three gathered, so it's a church if we go to a movie together, which that's not what that passage is about. But it's actually uh, Jesus in Matthew 18, 15 through 20, he's taught, he instructs uh, believers in how to respond to a sin matter among basically a congregation. And then when, when he does it, what he's affirming and, and the church is kind of the church is the gathering, the church is the people together, and that when they make these decisions, and, and that's who's given this role, is Christians together based upon their confession of faith. I think Matthew 16 shows this as, as well, where Jesus built his church upon the profession of faith. And, and then when we get into the Matthew 18, then that, that builds it up into this principle that the, the nature of what the church is, is inherently it's a member. Membership. You know, that that is what makes Christ with them is when the members together are coming and to function and the purposes of the church that God has given to it. So I think it is very clear. And even another passage that I think can be that should be used is Hebrew thirteen seventeen, uh, which talk it's not always applied to membership, but I think it should be. Uh, in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, the author of Hebrews, probably not Paul, but we can get to that another time. He says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls. Those who will have to give account, let them do that, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you." I think the 
what it's showing here in membership is it's showing that the, the leaders in the church, Christian church, will have to give an account for specific people, and specific people have specific leaders. And clearly that can't just be people in the community because no one would think that a pastor in, you know, let's say Russia has to give an account for Vladimir Putin, for example. But it's for these definite people that relate to the elder as their pastor. Mm. Yeah, funny story about the uh, the gathering. My wife went to this women's ministry conference, and uh, they gave out these shirts that had that uh, passage in Matthew 18 reference, and it says, gather in this nice cursive script. And sort of the emphasis is on, on getting people together, which is a very good thing, uh, hospitality, <laughs> ministering. And anyway, I, I joke with her and call it her church discipline shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but and I actually do think theology plays a part in this as well. And clearly, and I mean, the early Baptists rightly understood that membership is a product of the belief, the theology of the priesthood of all believers, which is kind of a statement that when we're Christians, we're made into priests of God. Kind of in that way, we're ambassadors of the world. And, and as priests of God, we together have responsibility for even things like decisions in the church, even things like who can be affirmed as an elder or a pastor in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Now, should every adult Christian be a church member? Uh, I think so. I can't really think of a great reason not to. And I mean, even if you've got someone who's ill and homebound, um, that's one of those things where God has put a set of circumstances in their life where they're not able to actively participate a lot in the life of the church as far as being present. I mean, they may still be able to pray, uh, that kind of thing, and people can care for them. But uh, I can't see a good reason not to. Uh, Can you? I would basically agree with you. I think the only situation in which somebody shouldn't, if they're an adult Christian, is if they haven't gone public in Believer's Baptism. Because I actually see this as, you know, both membership and Believer's Baptism, to me, are acts of going public in your faith. And you can't divide one from the other in that sense. Yeah, and just walking down the front of the church, that that itself is not a public profession and saying, oh, I got yeah. saved. Uh, I mean, that's just not—it's maybe a good thing, but it's not what Jesus, I think, had in mind. Yeah, and I think, to me, this means this idea of membership being normal and, you know, expected of believers, that this means that people should join a church— uh, you know, once they're once they know that they're committed to that church, even if they know that, for example, they're committed for a few years. I, I know of college students, you know, that are going off to college. They won't be home for a couple of years and they keep their membership back home. And I actually think that's a bad idea because, you know, you should covenant with the people that you're actually with uh, that. Uh, and uh, I, I definitely think that we should be members where we can go, even if it's a temporary kind of relationship. Uh, and the reason why I think is I think Christians without a membership somewhere, I think are Christians that lack some sense of assurance. But that being said, I think we should have sympathy for those who go to churches that don't have it uh, or people that have experienced abuse. Because actually, I've known cases where people have had this kind of 
affirmation of faith, this kind of citizenship that's in membership taken away from them. Uh, and uh, that, you know, just for, for disagreement, for without a practice of Matthew 18. So I see membership as a lot like citizenship in a nation, you know, that it's kind of this, or, you know, getting your passport. But if somebody, if an abusive nation takes away somebody's passport and throws them to jail for disagreeing with the abuser, that we should not regard that person as being a bad citizen of that nation. And in the same way, I think we do have to be careful because I literally know very close to home people that have that assurance of faith and their membership taken away for standing up to abuse and things like that. So I, I think that's, that's a important good point. caveat. Now, can and should children who profess Christ become church members, Ben? Oh, well, Tony, that is a tricky question. Especially um, at six weeks old. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, there are no explicit examples of kids getting baptized. And I think you and I both would tie baptism and membership together. Uh, but there's no explicit mention of a child being baptized in the New Testament. Uh, though... Uh, they are addressed in Ephesians and Colossians mm-hmm. to obey their parents in the Lord. Uh, this is pleasing in the Lord. So, and I, I'm sure different stances are taken. I've not read all the commentaries on those particular sections, but differing understandings of what that means are these believing children, just they're sort of in the faith community. Um, you know, anyway, but they're, they're, they're addressed, but. Uh, just because they're not explicitly mentioned, that doesn't mean necessarily that they can't be baptized or can't be members. Possibly they can, and, and I think we would agree that children can and do turn to Christ and yes. bear the fruit of repentance in their lives. Uh, sometimes that can be a little more difficult to uh, to see, okay, is this legitimate, is this real, are they just trying to please parents or uh, that kind of thing. You know, and— even Paul had companions who, who uh, just abandoned the faith and abandoned Christ. They loved the world, this kind of thing. Now, we don't know. Did, did they ever turn back? We don't know. Um, I mean, some have suggested some kind of provisional watch care membership. Uh, I think there was a church that did this in Louisville. They, they would baptize kids after you know some uh, counseling with them, and then they were brought into this provisional membership. And then once they became eighteen, they had to then apply for you know full membership. Now that introduces new problems, and it's not directly commanded by the Bible. Uh, I think this is, to me, an issue of wisdom and sound judgment, and not a direct biblical command. Like, well, at this age, this is when we baptize. Um, so I don't know. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, and I'm sure this will settle the matter. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I mostly agree with you there. So uh, I think this is a tricky issue, as we've said, and wise Christians can disagree. Wise Christians do disagree. Uh, I would say I think you shouldn't baptize, regardless as a principle, you shouldn't baptize a person that you wouldn't put under church discipline. Uh, and I think the reason why this is the case is because I see membership as kind of the line then between baptism and either death or excommunication. And therefore, you know, therefore you probably should withhold membership to somebody that you wouldn't baptize and, and you should in turn withhold a baptism to those you wouldn't allow into membership in general. So actually part of why I am a fan of waiting on baptism is because I think it's bizarre 
to as many churches basically baptize kids and then they will not let them into membership. And, and I think that's an exceedingly bizarre mentality uh, from the perspective that I think the New Testament consistently, even with Paul's mentality in 1 Corinthians, when he when he's thankfully didn't baptize some people, it connects baptism as kind of a, a going public uh, and, and it even sees almost like excommunication becomes an undoing of your baptism. And therefore, uh, you know, it's weird to kind of give somebody this, you know, basically the start of a link and the end of a link without giving them kind of what's in between. So I think in general, that would mean that if you're going to baptize somebody, you should be willing to make them members. So if you're willing to baptize a child, you should make that child a member. Otherwise, I think you've misrepresented both baptism and membership. Uh, our church specifically, we allow child, children to be baptized and we allow children to be members uh, with some limits. For example, that at our church, there are certain like IRS-related things that ch- children cannot vote on, uh, but in the vast majority of affairs, they can function as members. But you know, we would because of that, in part, we generally would not baptize the very young. Well, and that's, yeah, this is just one of those things that's tricky because there's a lot of inferences involved. It's, well, this is, we know this from the Bible, and then we work out and go, well, therefore this, well, therefore this, and then, you know, the further you get when the therefores, it can be, um, like, well, are we still on solid footing here? It hangs together logically, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that there are clear-cut answers, and you raise some good questions like people that are trying to do different kinds of things, and, and it raises other questions. And so, yeah, just the Lord help us uh, to shepherd those children wisely. Yeah. So, yeah, to me, I, I definitely think then this all this boils down to, you know, whatever age you're comfortable uh, giving membership should be the age you're comfortable giving baptism to, and I'm not going to line that out. But I, I think no matter what, we should be we we need to pair those together and i think if you don't pair those things together when you make that decision of who can be a member i think that you have misunderstood one or the other of membership or baptism or potentially both that's a good point now what should guide a church member's use of their authority at any age whether they're a church member at nine or whether a church member at 99 what stands out to me is obedience to Christ's commands and love for his people, helping them to become mature in Christ. I don't think it needs to be complicated. And you certainly are not doing it to stick it to somebody or you know get some agenda through. Uh, and that can be our temptation. I mean, just the world seeps in and uh, Satan can deceive us. And uh, But I think that the issue is bringing glory to Christ by obeying him and trying to to love others uh, as God has told us what that love looks like. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, the only thing I would add to that is that I think Ben is 100% right in this, but, uh, you know, I, I think the beauty of membership is that sometimes people will take biblical principles to different conclusions within the body. And I think that Christians can and should at times have disagreements, and that's a good thing. You know, that that's for the good of the church. You know, even when two members are trying to value Scripture and trying to value the glory of Christ, they may have a different opinion on, for example, whether you should support this missionary, which person should be the next elder or deacon. And, and I think membership is a beautiful way in which we navigate that all together rather than just kind of having one person dictate these kind of matters. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Now, how can parents and churches teach young people the importance of church membership? Well, the church can regularly emphasize church membership, the need for it, uh, and what it is and, and involves, what it requires. Uh, I, I often joke that our membership to our church should mean more than our membership to some wholesale club like Sam's or Costco, that's what we have around here, or membership at the gym. Um because you just sort of pay your fee, and whether you go or not um, doesn't really matter. You don't have a whole lot of obligation there. Just show your card when you go in, and it gives you certain privileges. Not a whole lot to ask of you, but um, church membership is just a different thing. And so just ingraining that in the culture, and it's sort of that that we know who we are. Not, well, it was sort of this vague idea of who the people of this church are. Um, not that you're trying to, I mean, you can, I mean, you and I have been blessed and, and influenced by, uh, nine marks and I've heard some critics of them <laughs> refer to them as nine Marxist, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, I'll give them credit. It's funny. Um, and, and I've seen some examples of that and you, you see this sort of, and again, I don't, the guy behind it, I, I think he's trying to be biblical. Um, and I've heard, I've followed his ministry long enough where, there seems to be a good bit of wisdom and grace, and it's not just everything just exceedingly black and white. Um, there's some situations that call for flexibility or graciousness, um, and you, you can see this kind of tendency where you know the teacher is one way, and then the followers are like, "Oh yeah, you thought that guy you know was committed to the Bible? You thought he was conservative? Well, I'll show you." Yeah. And uh, so you see some of that, and it's just very hardcore, heavy-handedness, and I don't think, uh, in the regardless of who says it, I, we need to go for obedience to the Bible. And uh, I think as we we pay attention carefully to the Bible, we'll see that it cared about uh, the idea of membership, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, just just enfolding that into the culture of our church as a as a blessing and not this you know onerous burden or something like that. Uh, yeah. So I mean, what, what are your thoughts? I think that's fantastic. So I would add a couple practical things. I think you took the the real meat of it, and so I'll, I'll add the potatoes, if you will, maybe the green beans. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so I I actually think that it's funny because we can teach this as kind of a you know, a high shelf matter. Uh, but I think we should teach membership passages and membership principles, even literally in children and youth ministry. And I think it's surprising how much of it they can get. It's interesting because I actually led a children's ministry camp one year and um, kind of an overnight camp. And I remember there was a, a leader at the camp, like a volunteer, and she said something not helpful and not biblical, I think, about church membership. And I corrected it. And she actually, the, the, the young adult leader, like received the correction while from scripture and actually wanted to learn. And in turn, the kids, you know, like eight-year-old kids were like fascinated to learn about what, you know, biblical idea of membership is mm-hmm. and how it's his active assurance. And it really, it surprised me, honestly. But I think it shows you that, you know, these kind of things, these are important truths and these are important truths that should not be held back from even the very young, even if you say they can't be members yet. I think it can be something that excites them, that they anticipate. And therefore, then as soon as they turn 
18 or whatever it is in your church, they, they jump on board with this. So, And uh, I think parents should specifically should let the announcements, perhaps of new members, become kind of a family celebration. Uh, you know, when you see that somebody's joined, given the right hand of fellowship in your church, make that something that your kid think is really awesome. And maybe even invite these new people over into your home as a way to show, you know, that there's something significant that just happened uh, when you, as you demonstrate that to your children. Yeah, that's really, that's a good idea. Now, do children have a place in members meeting regardless of their membership status? We've talked about this a little bit already, but I'm curious on how you would navigate that. I think so. Now, I remember when we were in seminary hearing Russell Moore when he was still there uh, talking about business meetings, members meetings when he was a kid and his grandmother did not want him to go uh, because it was basically uh, – like a Darwin's theory of nature, that it was red and tooth and claw, as he described it. Uh, apparently, they got pretty vicious. And, and I've heard of instances like that um, in various churches. But I think it can be, uh, particularly if it's a godly, kind of kingdom-minded attitude that, that's in love, is pervading it, then they can observe, they can learn, they can um, just take it in. Now, if it's a really unhealthy situation, I don't know that I would... Uh, bring them yeah but th- th- that's my thought what, what about you yeah I, I think you're exactly right but i also suspect that you know if you're at a church where the membership uh meetings are a really ugly affair you know maybe that means uh, other questions need to be taken in place but uh you know uh that i i think if a church it just, it's like a lot of things. If it's too inappropriate for a child, should it, is it appropriate for you? you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think seeing these things, especially when the church is healthy, uh, can be a beautiful thing for them. Even if yeah. you know your church doesn't allow them to vote, I don't think that should be put off from them in most cases. I, I think it can prepare them for their membership. Uh, but I, I, I will say sometimes it's okay for parents to let them sit out. The reality is that, you know, it's hard to, you know, our churches consider making decision about joining the SBC. And that might be a hard decision to hear literally everybody's thought when a mom has a hold of crying baby. If she chooses to do so, that's great for her. But, you know, I don't think that we should judge those who choose not to. Uh, right. How can we make the members' meetings that are tend to be seen as boring to kids? How can we make them into something that is seen as a discipleship opportunity for kids? I think that's a good question because, yes, I mean, I've been a part of some of those as a kid and then as a parent. Uh, I've had my kids with me, and like, oh, Dad. And we had one that was particularly long. We was talking about the potential sale of some of our property and you know our church has been here for over a hundred years and you know there were tears and there were, it was emotional for some people yeah. and so you know my uh some of my kids were struggling with that but i think it requires intentionality from the leadership uh and giving an attempt to if they know that kids are going to be there to give some explanation, even, and even for just the members in general, even if they're adults, just kind of reminding them, this is what we're doing. This is why what we're doing, um, participating in the life of the church and the parents themselves can help along in that. I mean, just like we've talked about it before with explaining to our kids what we're doing during worship on Sunday. 
when we gather together and okay we're gonna pray this we're gonna pray now we're gonna sing this is why we sing this is why we listen to god's word these kinds of things um but you know they, they may observe things like uh new members being taken in or people leaving the church yeah. and it's t- going home and say okay you know john just joined the church tonight uh, he's brought into our, our membership and so we're going to pray for John tonight at dinner or you know the Joneses are leaving to move somewhere else and so we're going to pray for the Joneses or I mean maybe someone's under church discipline even um, and we need to pray for their repentance that kind of thing yeah. and so um, th- there are ways that it's it is practical for good and for ministry and not just you know <laughs> some budgetary thing or we changed the the wording in the church constitution we changed it from the to a it's stuff like that yeah that's that's good that's good insight i really don't have much to add to that i think that's helpful but we regardless should include kids in some capacity but should families always vote as one in membership meetings, you know, should we just have one vote per family? Should we have, should we expect mom and dad to have the exact same vote and the kids have the same vote if they're members? That's also uh, a good question. I, I've heard of churches that practice head of household voting. Um, I think I'd say, and this is just kind of reasoning out, but one member, one vote, that would be you know, I, I couldn't write you a dissertation on it, but um, I think that generally they will and and normally be inclined to do so. I think that's a good thing, but I don't think it's a must. They're, they're, like you said, I mean, Christians sometimes can disagree on particularly issues that are a matter of wisdom and sound judgment. And uh, it's not like, should we, you know, take on uh, a Jehovah's Witness view of Jesus? Um you know, the, hopefully you're not going to be voting on something like that in your <laughs> members meeting. Um, it's going to be other issues. And so there may be times that there's just some disagreement there. But uh, what do you think on that? Yeah. So I, I think this is only a question in part because I think, well, one, an unhealthy view of gender and an unhealthy view of disagreement. Uh, but I, I actually believe that if mom, dad, and let's say a 15-year-old daughter that's all members in a church – all vote differently in a matter, but then leave smiling and loving one another, that's not a, inherently a bad thing. That actually can mm-hmm. be something to celebrate and rejoice about and that we can see our greater unity in. Um, mm-hmm. That, But yeah, the, I have seen head of household voting before uh, and I've known about it in churches. Uh, but I, I, I frankly think there's no scripture that would suggest to us that the head of a household is any more of a member, which effectively that's what you do. As you, you say that, you know, the wife or or even the believing children that are members are, are basically semi-members. Uh, and, uh, and really, I, I do think that it's right to say that somebody's membership is in a way a matter between them and God. You know, this is a submission to God matter. This isn't really necessarily a submission to your husband. I mean, the Bible doesn't ask women to to submit to their husband by having the same opinion as their husband. And, and I think effectively what you've done when you have that kind of household voting is that you, do, you end up, one, you silence women, uh, and you, you silence young people, even Christian young people that are you know, in the household. Uh, but I, I think it has a, a, almost a tiered understanding of membership that is certainly not in the New Testament. That's, that's well said. 
Now, how does membership of a church go beyond business meetings? Because we've talked about some about business decisions and meetings like that, but I assume it means something more than that as well, right? Yeah, and I've I I alluded to it some, but as it refers to recognizing members and receiving people into membership or dismissing them from membership and a sense of discipline or just sending them out. Maybe you're sending someone out as a missionary or to plant a church or, you know, this group is going um, here. And so there can be, um, you know, good reasons for that. And so uh, that that's. That involves people. That's not just you know the wording on on some policy document or uh, how many. I heard of a church that they wouldn't approve. You couldn't. The, the church could not make expenditures like more than like five dollars or something without the congregation's <laughs> approval. <laughs> like okay. you can't buy you know pens or pencils. Uh, I think that's con- congregationalism and and uh, gone amok. I mean, you just can't even operate. But. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings an awareness of people in the body. And so that's th- these are the people that we are responsible for. These are the people that we've linked arms with to follow Jesus together. It doesn't mean that we don't have other relational obligations to other people and other Christians, but you know, we don't have the same level of responsibility for people in the you know the Presbyterian church yeah. down the corner as we do for the people that are you know sitting, the pew in front of us that's good yeah i wouldn't add much to it i i, I will just kind of make a snarky remark that i think that you know the, the the people like to say there's no stupid questions well one of the first questions in the bible is a stupid question am i my brother's <laughs> keeper uh yeah. you know and the answer is yes i am my brother's keeper and, and i think church membership is about answering the question who is the brother of mine that i'm a keeper of in that kind uh, of sense yeah and that's true for a whole families so. Yeah, but how can we include young people uh, in the one another aspects of church membership? I think we want to encourage them to serve in various ways, and depending on your church's uh, structure and certain policies, there may be certain restrictions on that. Depending, if maybe it's taking care, you know, kids that are sixteen taking care of younger kids, uh, men don't always allow that for. Uh, child safety reasons and that kind of thing. But um, there are certainly ways that they can serve other believers. And uh, maybe they can be partnered with a parent or a mentor and that they're out there greeting at the door or handing out bulletins or uh, taking up the offering, Um, you know, even helping with the Lord's Supper or music. I mean, there's just a lot of different ways that um, they can use their gifts to serve those other Christians that if they're, um, particularly if they are members, but even if they're not, I think there's ways that, you know, you think they're a believer and you're, you're pushing them to look to help others follow Jesus. Um, and, and just to encourage them to take care, to to watch out for the spiritual lives of others. You yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's a lot of what's involved in there. It's not just that my name's on a list. And I, I, I we actually, uh, I interviewed at a church. Thankfully, we didn't end up there, but several years ago, um, I interviewed at a church that they had a, a membership policy that if you were a member, you also got a free burial plot in the church's cemetery. Uh, I'm just going to guess that was probably misused at some point, but um I don't know. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. I mean, I'm sure it <laughs> happens, though. But uh, 
Yeah, so I, I think those are all good points. Uh, I actually, my mind is brought to, we've talked about Mark Dever, and a Mark Dever statement I've heard multiple times is Mark Dever will say that the most important, basically the most important book that a Christian owns is their Bible, and the second most important book that they own is their membership directory. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that should be true of all ages. Uh, and in that sense, I think they that children even the whole household together in family worship perhaps should use the member directory to, to pray together and I mean mm-hmm. to pray for those that are in it and maybe even develop your own schedule. I, I hope that pastors do the same that already, but I think all members can do that. Even the kids are members, but you know, part of membership is serving each other and helping. You've talked about, you know, the kind of responsibility we have to one another. And I think we can bring our kids along for those, you know, when a member moves, even if the member moves out of state and is transferring their membership, uh, that, uh, and it shouldn't be something you're excited about, I hope, but <laughs> the bring your kids along for that, you know, to show that this is what we do for our brothers and sisters. Uh, and I think that uh, we, we can help our kids get to know member, the members of our church, uh, and if possible, the whole membership, and let, even show them who is a member of their church as somebody that you can look to, as somebody that you can see as you know this kind of public believer that we can celebrate. So. Yeah, good. Well, I, I didn't uh, include this question, but are there any resources on membership that you think would be helpful for listeners and especially families? Ooh, families in particular, I am I'm drawing blanks. Um, there's a small, relatively short book uh, from Jonathan Lehman. I'm looking at it across the way here on my bookshelf called Church Membership. Um, it's in like, what is it? Building healthy churches or I can't remember what the series is. Nine March put out. Um, there are other books that, you know, that kind of lays out a case for even why have membership. There's a book we've given out or that we do give out to new members. It's called I am a church member. And it's definitely not laying out a case for church membership, but, but just sort of the attitude mm-hmm. of, but you're not just there. Okay. Now that's it. But, um, and it's been a while since I've read it, but it's, you know, very easy to read, um, and, and gets that across that, that I am a contributing part of this group. And, uh, that's something, cause I think, you know, people, younger people in particular, some don't even know that church membership is a thing or understand why would you even do that? Um, it's limiting your options or something. Uh, or if they're coming to Christ without a, uh, they didn't weren't raised in the church or that kind of thing. They uh, don't have a concept for it, and so you know I think it's not always been treated well, at least in the American church setting, um, in the last several decades. And so those kinds of things can be helpful. But uh, I don't know. Have you found anything? So I definitely think that book by John Lehman is great for those, particularly you know for adults and household, even teens. I've known of a teen that benefited from it. Uh, but in mm-hmm. addition to that, uh, there's a, even smaller little books, like 30-page books uh, from Nine Marks, um, that kind of church an- questions and answers series they're called. And one of them is Why Should I Join a Church by Mark Dever. And that's a great little resource. I mean, literally, actually, a similar book in that series was taken at the end of a service by uh, by a kid that's 
probably eight years old and I'm glad. And I think he actually read it. My son's read, my son has read that kind of stuff before. And so I think it's, you know, it's not intended for kids necessarily, but it's accessible. And if you're a member of Poland Baptist church or attend Poland Baptist church and want to join, uh, we actually have some free copies of that book after at in the back behind uh, our behind where we gather as a saint. So, uh, but and lastly, I'll add, you know, this one is probably a bit challenging, but I, I'd say if you're a pastor or somebody who is into really academic books, there's a fantastic book by Bobby Jameson that is called Going Public and I think has probably the best explanation of membership and specifically why that, uh, why it's this kind of public affirmation of faith uh, that, that I've ever heard of. It's a really great resource. Yeah, and I think just a, a little note, we've talked about Nine Marks, and I, Nine Marks did not invent church membership. They just, in the past 25 years or so, have thought a lot about it and written about it and that kind of thing, and been a part of churches, guys and you know, have contributed their, their, their ministry, been a part of churches that were just very careful about it. But I mean, there's other, I'm, I'm sure, uh, in the history of the church, people have, have regarded this as serious and um, even written things that would be helpful that are not affiliated with them. So I think it's worth saying that, uh, you know, again, the nine Marxist thing, um, they don't have the, the market corner. This is not an original idea to them. I think this is a, an idea for the New Testament. So yeah, it's worth noting. I actually think to show it's not a new thing. I mean, there's a, also another great book for, again, those who want to be challenged intellectually. There's a book uh, by Greg Wills, uh, Willis, uh, Wills rather, uh, Wills, who was a yeah. professor of ours, called Democratic Religion that kind of details uh, basically church membership and church discipline and the beginning of America and Baptist and American history. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he mentions uh, a church here in Augusta. So does he really? Uh, I rem- I just remember it stood out to me when I had to read it. I was like, oh, hey. <clears throat> for for what it's worth, it doesn't include church discipline cases for dancing. So dancing and card playing. <laughs> so, so I hope that listeners aren't dancing and playing cards as they listen to the podcast. <laughs> I kid. Well, I hope that this has been a. a beneficial conversation for those who listen to this and perhaps somebody would consider joining a church as a result of this i think that would be a beautiful product of this podcast amen so wonderful it was a good discussion ben you have a wonderful day thank you for joining us for this episode of the theological family ministry podcast if you have enjoyed this episode please give us a review on itunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.